Treat and extend therapy is a common tactic employed by retina specialists for treating wet AMD patients. What new data will grow the body of information retina specialists already draw on when making decisions about treatment regimen? I'm Scott Kriswanis, that's Greg Notstein, and this is coverage of the ASRS 2020 meeting on New Retina Radio from Retina Today and Bryn Mawr Communications. Dr. Michael Singer shares details from his presentation at ASRS 2020. His talk, a retrospective review of patient data over a two-year period during which treat and extend regimens were employed. The data Dr. Singer analyzes includes information on mean annual injection totals, duration of therapy time spans, and the percentage of patients who were dry after treatment. Stick with New Retina Radio to hear the specifics. The incongruent nature of real-world data and clinical trial data is a common motif in retina. It seems that the promise of phase 3 clinical trial data, often conducted in a tightly controlled environment in which patients must adhere to a protocol lest they be excluded from the dataset, does not live up to the hype in the real world. Treat and extend regimens which allow patients to test their tolerance for more than monthly therapy and then receive treatment at their schedule are popular with retina specialists, but we don't have much long-term data on outcomes. Until now. Dr. Michael Singer's presentation at the ASRS annual meeting concerned two-year data from real-world patients who had undergone treat and extend regimens for anti-VEGF therapy for wet AMD. Dr. Singer is a clinical professor of ophthalmology at UT Health San Antonio and director of clinical research at Medical Center Ophthalmology Associates, also in San Antonio. Dr. Singer, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you so much for having me on your program. I'm excited to be here. Our listeners are familiar with treat and extend regimens for wet AMD therapy. Anecdotal evidence seems to suggest that they may be effective. Why did you turn to a clinical trial? Yes, you know, they might be effective, but we need data. And and not just our gut feelings when it comes to these changes in treatment, because we wanted to understand is as we change our treatment paradigms, do they really work? And what is the data that demonstrates that they work? So we wanted some long-term results as well. And what's nice about the study that we ran is that it looks at two-year real-world experience. How did you find the two-year real-world results? Well, what we did was we, there are a number of electronic health record systems out there that aggregate data. We used at U.S. Retina, which is one of the health services that are out there that works with a number of retina specialists throughout the United States. And we wanted to look at patients who were treated with bevacizumab, aflibercept, and ranibizumab from a time point of October 2016 to December 2017, and what we were trying to do is say, looking at people who had treat and extend platforms, could we quantify how they treat people, and was there changes over time, and when people switched, did it make a difference? When you're reviewing retrospective data, patients aren't necessarily flagged as treat and extend patients in these databases. How did you identify those patients? What we did was we looked at patients who were never treated before. So we wanted to try naive patients, which are close to what you find in clinical trial patients. We also wanted to see people who had index injection of, of, of three index injections, and you really wanted people who had at least five injections. So you wanted them to have a loading dose. You wanted them to basically have um, 
not been treated before. You want to have 24 months of data going forward. So you're able to file the entire time point of when someone starts the procedure to two years after to see how many injections they got. And then obviously we drill down to make sure that they had no other comorbidities or any other things that could explain what they were being treated for. And how many patients ended up in the final data set? So essentially we had somewhere in the order of 1,400 patients, actually 1,397 patients um, met the eligibility. And when you looked at the patients, you, you know, most of the people were over 65 and there was a smattering, you know, 60s to mid 70s, about 20%, about 40%, about mid 70s to mid 80s, and about 35% over 85. I mean, we had more females than males and a reasonable geographic representation, a little more than the South, because that's where US retina is based. But pretty much, you know, there were a certain part all over the country. And then we looked at vision. The vision kind of basically was well balanced. You had basically about 25% of people that were 20, 40 or better. You had about 20% of people 20, 50 to 20, 80. And about 25% or 24% of people that were worse than 2080. There was some data missing because it was an electronic health record system. So obviously you could only mine what was actually put in the record set. And uh, tell us what you found. So when it comes to initial treatment sequences, nearly half the BIs underwent bevacizumab treatment. And that pretty much can be explained when you look at ASRS surveys and you understand how insurance works around the United States in that bevacizumab is a first line for a lot of, lot of insurance companies. Um, in addition, it's a lot of physicians as well. And it turns out that basically mean of four to five injections was received for a treatment sequence, which did not include the loading dose, so the, the loading dose of three shots was pulled out. Um, the difference, there was not a big difference between the different drugs. There was essentially a little bit of a difference between the medians of um, ranibizumab and bevacizumab and aflibercept with a, one more shot given of ranibizumab versus aflibercept and bevacizumab. So there were five with ranibizumab and four with aflibercept and bevacizumab. I'm sure duration of therapy was one of the biggest data points you looked at. Yeah, so patients went an average of 52 to 60 days between treatments. And when you're looking at the median injection time, the numbers were even tighter. So the interesting thing is that, you know, although we use different drugs and we think they have different durations of action, you can see that really in real life, it turns out that they're pretty close. And then we looked at the longest intervals, like when people, and the longest intervals were nine to 10 weeks. So essentially, Patients were being treated with the three different medications. And essentially what we looked at when they looked at nine to 10 weeks, the drugs, when it came to the median, the median, both aflibercept and bevacizumab were 63 days, while ranibizumab was 58 days. So you can see the difference was five days. So even with this huge data set of almost 1,400 people, we ended up with pretty tight data when it came to the median duration of inter-injection interval. Dr. Singer, were you able to find anything about mean injection interval after those first three loading doses? So it turns out the mean injection interval is about eight weeks. And what's interesting, it doesn't make a difference really what drug you use. Because from the mean standpoint, bevacizumab, the injection interval is 59.8 days. Ranibizumab was on the short end at 52 days. And aflibercept was in the middle at 56.2 days. When you look at the median, which is important to understand because, you know, means can be affected by outliers, it turns out that ranibizumab injection interval was 49 days 
and bevacizumab was 53 days, they flibercept in the middle, which is 50 days. So basically, within four days, the drugs were essentially had the same injection interval, which is pretty amazing when you consider real life and that people don't always come at the same day at the same time. But again, it's very tight, which kind of gives us an idea that when you give someone a shot, you can probably expect about two months, regardless of your medication. Sometimes patients switch anti-VEGF agent. Were you able to find out when they switched or how often? So it's interesting to note that when people switched, it was very interesting that even though we had such a big data set, it turns out that regardless of the medication you started on, when people switched, it was after about four injections. It turns out the median number of injections that you go as a physician before you switch the patient was about four injections. It turned it was 4.3 with aflibrozep, 4.3 with ranibizumab, and 4.4 with bevacizumab. That when it's all said and done, you go about four shots. And if you're not getting what you want, then you start thinking of another drug, which is interesting because um, I think people had ideas that it might be a little more or a little less, but the data shows that regardless of what you start with, you end up switching after four shots. Tell us about the limitations of the study and then also some of its strengths. Well, you need to understand that any electronic record system study is only based on the data that's put in. So there's obviously potential of miscoding, data entry error, and data omission, because obviously it's based on clinicians putting it into an EMR system and basically the EMR being extracted into a larger system. The other situation is demographic data may not be available for everybody in the patient cohort, because again, by the same limitations, if it wasn't captured, um, because it wasn't a standardized way of capturing it, you may not get all the data. So the strengths of this study is that it used treat and extend treatment over two years, which is good to know because obviously one-year data sometimes changes in the second year. It was prospectively gathered from a large electronic health record system. And because of the entry criteria, this is very similar to eyes that you would put in clinical trials. They were treatment naive and they didn't have any retinal comorbidity. So it really was a good way to translate what you read in clinical journals and how you treat patients in real life. Two years of treatment is a good length of time. What do patients look like at the end of two years? If you ask most physicians what they think and how their patients are, most of them would tell you, you know what, I think my patients do very well and I'm really good at getting patients dry. As it turns out, when you look at two years of treatment, what's amazing to see is that more than 50% of patients still had residual fluid. And it didn't make a difference what drug you had. It ranged the gamut from basically 63% of people treated with bevacizumab had residual fluid down to 53% with ranibizumab. And aflibercept was in the middle at 58%. So it turns out that even though you think you're treating people to dry, most people aren't dry. So not treating as well as you'd want to. What are some of the take-home points here? I think some of the take-home points as you run forward is, I mean, a lot of interesting things we've learned from this process is that essentially that most of the treatment intervals over this two-year period was about eight weeks in length. The longest was about nine to 10 weeks in length. The reality was that greater than 50% of people at two years still had residual fluid regardless of medications and that we really need a drug that lasts longer because given the fact that there are lots of things in life that people don't expect, you want to have a little more extended duration of action 
because of the fact that you've got problems with people dropping out, people changing, and a longer duration of action that's stronger may end up giving visual acuity outcomes that are closer to our clinical trial results. Dr. Singer, thanks for joining us today. I'm thrilled to have been here. Thank you for having me. That's all from us. If you haven't already subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Google, or Spotify, please be sure to do so. And after you subscribe, make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help your fellow clinicians find the latest episodes. That's all. Thanks for listening. Take care.